I want to invite you to stand with me this morning in reverence to the reading of God's Word. And if you can't physically stand, I encourage you just to reverence the Lord in your hearts. As we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. And this verse has been our kind of platform for last Sunday, today, and then next Sunday. And so I encourage you, this is also a great passage to memorize as we speak this um, this morning. It'll also be on the screen. Paul says... Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and your soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you and he will bring it to pass. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning truly believing that God as we talk about our souls today. That Lord, there are those this morning who are heavy in their souls. And God, I just ask in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, would you speak? God, we don't want to just go through the motions today and God, just listen to a sermon and leave. God, we want to hear from you. So God, I pray, would you put your words in my mouth? And God, I pray, would you give us ears to hear? And believing that everyone here today is here not by accident, God, but by your leading. And so, Lord, we invite you, would you speak today? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we started a new series, a three-week series, entitled Get Healthy, where we are focusing on the three parts of really who we are as humans creating the image of God that Paul mentions there in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. He prays that we would be sanctified entirely, that our spirit, our soul, and our bodies would be preserved complete at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Now, it's interesting, when we talk about getting healthy, we're not necessarily talking about that in the same aspect that we hear around us in our culture. Some aspects we do, and some, some it's different in the sense where the Bible says here that God is leading His people to be sanctified. And the scripture there, sanctified means to be pure, to be holy, to be set apart, basically We are all going through the work, if you are followers of Jesus, of God sanctifying us, God helping us to be conformed to ultimately function in the way that God desires and the way that God designed. And so us getting healthy is basically us attempting to align our lives to please God in all aspects. And so last week we talked about how to get healthy in our bodies. And if you missed that, you can go online and and, uh, go to our podcast and you can listen to that. And today we're going to talk about what it looks like for us to get healthy in our soul. Now the concept of the soul is seen throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word used for soul is nefesh and it is used frequently. In fact, it's a key part of uh, what is known as the Holy Shema, which was a prayer that Moses gave to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And so we see it here, we see it all over the Old Testament, the concept of the soul. And then the New Testament, which is written in Greek and Aramaic, we see there the the Greek word for soul is suke, which is translated psyche, which is the root word for the term where we get the terminology psychology, the study of the mind. And in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, John uses the term soul to distinguish it from the body. He says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. 
Now, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, these words for soul can at times have different meanings, but the most common usage of the word soul is to refer to the inner man, you know, the non-material part of who we are. You know, most of us today, that we recognize that we are much more than just a body. That our personhood exists in really two different ways. There's the part of Zacharino that you can touch, that you can see, that is my physical self. But then there's the part of me that you can't touch, that is my non-material self. But it's still part of who I am. It is my personality, it's my feelings, it's my thoughts, it is my desires. And if you really think about it, much of who we are exists in that internal person, in that non-material self. In fact, it is, the, it is that non-material self, it is our soul that the Bible refers to when we die as Christians. If, you have a, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you die, and it is your soul that goes to be with God. Now, you say, well, will we know we're in heaven? No, it's, it's, it's very clear that your soul is real. We will be in heaven. We will be aware. We will have thoughts. We will have feelings. We will have desires. You will be in heaven as you understand yourself to be right now. It's just you will be that without a physical body for a time until the day that the Lord returns and gives us glorified bodies. But Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, I prefer to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. He's talking about his physical body, but he understood that himself, he would be with the Lord. I prefer to be absent from the body, but to be present with the Lord. So you see that there's two sides of ourselves. Since the beginning of time, philosophers have tried to define the mysterious aspect of us being part soul and part body. The truth is, though, only the Bible can truly answer those questions because God is the one who created us. And friends, this morning we really need to understand about the soul because many of you here this morning, you are sick in your souls. Your mental and emotional health, it's not good. Some of you this morning, you are overcome with grief in your soul. Some of you are battling perpetual fear and sadness in your soul. Some of you here this morning, you feel empty and lost in your soul. On the outside, your body looks fine. You can smile, you're you're healthy, you can put on a good church face and say all that is well, but you know on the inside that your soul is sick. Friends, I just want to let you know that my prayer for you this morning is not only that we would better understand our souls according to Scripture, but also that God would minister to your souls today. And I want to let you know at the end of our service this morning, we did it at the end of first service and we're going to do it at the end of today. We're going to invite you to be prayed for. If you're heavy in your soul, and some of you came in here this morning and you know that is you, we're going to invite you to come forward and let us pray for you. Or maybe you know someone and you want to stand in for them and let us pray for you that God does a healing work in your soul. This is what what I believe Jesus wants to do among us this morning. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28, 28 and 29 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, hear this, rest for your souls. So that's what we pray for you this morning. And if you need Jesus 
to minister to you today. We want to pray and believe with you for that. So that being said, I have two major steps that I believe that God can lead us towards today to help us be healthy in our soul. So if you're keeping notes today, our first truth is this. First, God leads us to get healthy in our souls by helping us understand our souls. You know, science is continually discovering new facts about our human bodies each year. In, in fact, uh, you know, one of the greatest evidences to the, uh, to, to the fact that there is a creator of God is the more you get in the intricacies of the human body, the more you just see that this cannot be by chance, that God has intricately woven us in our mother's womb is what scripture says. But that being the case, we have been studying the body for a couple thousand years now, and, and we have all benefited from that in many ways with medicine and these things that, that minister and meet the needs of our body. You know, but however, the same is not necessarily true about the study of our souls, which is our mind and emotions. This is something that even just in the last few decades is that science has really tried to, to dive into. The human brain is still one of the greatest mysteries in modern science. However, the Bible makes it clear that God knows how he created our inner man. So in order for us to be able to truly cooperate with God's desire to be healthy in our souls, we need to first come back. Let's just look at the Bible. And what does the Bible say about who we are in the non-material self? Who are we in the inner man? So let me give you three facts this morning about our souls. First, you need to know that our souls are a gift from God. They're a gift from God. The Bible makes it clear that God created humanity as uniquely special from the rest of all creation. We were created in his image. And part of being created in the image of God is that God gave us incredibly complex souls. Now, you can break down the different facets of our mind, emotion, wheels, all these different things uh, as far as our souls. But at the highest level, your soul is made up of two major parts. So if you don't remember anything I say this morning, which most of the time you probably don't, but if you don't remember anything else I say today, I want you to remember this when you're eating lunch today. If somebody was to say, Pastor Zach, today, what, what is your soul? You want to be able to answer your soul is basically two things. Your soul is your mind and your emotions. Your soul is what you think, is how you think, and how you feel. That's really what it's broken down to. It is your inner man breaks into your emotions and your mind, your thinking and your feeling. And if you look at Genesis, before sin even entered the world, we see that God created Adam with that, those parts of his soul. We see him having the ability to, to think complex thoughts in his mind, and we also see him with the ability to feel and have wonderful emotions. In Genesis chapter 2, we see the mind or the thinking aspect of Adam's soul in his ability to follow the commands of God. God gave him commands to follow and he was able to do that. We see it in the ability to solve problems. You know, God told Adam to cultivate and keep the garden. He could lay it out any way that he wanted to to make it more fruitful and to be a blessing to him. He also gave him the ability in his mind to create. And for all you here this morning who are more musically or artistically inclined, that you can think up a song in your mind or a poem or you can write down music or paint a picture, that's part of your mind. And it's a beautiful thing and it's part of your soul. Adam had the ability to name all of the animals. 
So today, all the names of the animals that we have came from Adam. I remember just a few years ago, we went to the zoo in Little Rock, and we were going through all the different uh, exhibits with the kids, and we got to the anteaters. And if, if you look at the anteaters, it's like the back end of him looked like a zebra, and the front end looked like an elephant and all this. And we were just laughing at how goofy these things looked. And I said, you know, guys, basically what happened is at the end of creation, God had a bunch of spare parts, and he threw it all together, and he made an anteater, you know, and... But you see that he had the ability to think, to create. But also, you see that Adam had emotion and feeling, the aspect of his soul that could get excited, that could feel pleasure. You know, the Bible says there about Adam's emotion that God gave him the ability to taste, to experience pleasure. It says that God gave him food that was pleasing to the sight and was good for food. He had that ability to do that. We see that Adam had the ability to get excited about something. I, I love the, the passage there when the Bible says that, that God brought Eve to Adam. And, he, and Adam looks at Eve and says, Now, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That is basically Adam, first generation humanity of saying, Eve, you are a brick house, baby. I mean, like he, he was excited about Eve. And he had the ability to be social. You know, that emotional aspect, God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. That longing for companionship and those things, it was something that God created for him. And so while we were never intended, and we're going to talk about this a lot, we're going to kind of beat up on our feelings and emotions here for a little bit, but we need to know this on the front end. Our feelings and our emotions, while they're never intended to lead and rule our lives, they are gifts from God. If you think about the first three fruits of the Holy Spirit, they could be broken into categories of the emotions. Love, joy, and peace. These are things that we feel. Church, most of the the parts of our lives that are enjoyable, that are good, they're, they're gifts from God. We experience them in our emotions. The ability to fall in love. The ability to experience the joy of holding your newborn child. The ability to weep tears of gratitude as you contemplate God's goodness. These are all gifts from God. And we need to thank the Lord for these things. So that's our first truth today. Secondly, we need to know that our souls are broken because of sin. So to better understand our soul, we need to see that they're a gift from God. Our soul is a gift from God. But also that our souls are broken because of sin. You know, some of the saddest passages in all of Scripture are found in the moments just after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Of all the negative consequences that would come from sin in the garden, some of the first that we see deal with the soul and the emotions of Adam and Eve. Look with me in Genesis 3, 8 through 10. It says, and they, speaking of Adam and Eve, says they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves. From the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Here in this text, we see the first moments of the emotions of fear and shame and likely even guilt as Adam and Eve hid from God after their sin. Church, from this point forward, all of humanity would deal with sickness in our minds and our emotions, that they are all tainted with sin as, a, as something that we have inherited from our greatest grandparents in Adam and Eve. After sin entered the world, the mind that was designed by God to create what was good and beautiful 
can now create some of the most gruesome and broken ways to sin and rebel against God. After sin entered the world, the emotions that God had designed for us so that we could feel only what was right and good now has the ability to feel sadness instead of joy, hate instead of love, fear instead of peace. Church, we need to understand that the root cause of all fear, depression, and hopelessness in the world is because we are broken people living in a broken world. And this is a reality for everyone, and this is really important, even Christians. A really important fact for us to know today is that just because you love Jesus and are a follower of him does not mean that you will not deal with sickness and brokenness in your souls. Now, I fully believe that God helps his children in a special way deal with the brokenness in our souls. I believe that Matthew 11 is absolutely true, that Jesus can give us rest for our souls. But that doesn't mean that we will not deal with moments of brokenness in our souls. You need to know this this morning, that godly people can struggle mentally and emotionally. How many of us remember the old hymn, At the Cross? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light... And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. I love everything about that chorus except that last line. Now I am happy all the day. Don't get me wrong. Once you come to know Jesus, he can absolutely satisfy the greatest longings of your heart. And God can give you a hope that never leaves. However, that does not mean that you as a Christian will be happy all the days. There will be moments where we deal with brokenness and sadness. And that is just the reality of living in a sin-sick world. Some of the greatest men and women in the Bible struggled greatly at times with severe depression and fear and sorrow. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah, this great man of God. Now, Elijah has just done something miraculous. If you look at the previous chapters, Elijah has gone up to the Mount of Carmel with a bunch of pagan prophets, and he has basically set a showdown to see who is the one true God in Israel. And, and while all the prophets of Baal called out to, to, the for, to the false gods to see if God would consume and sacrifice and nothing took place, Elijah prayed a very simple prayer, and fire from heaven falls down, consumes his sacrifice, and then he goes on to kill 450 false prophets. He was a bad hombre, okay? The Bible says that wicked Queen Jezebel hears about this and threatens the life of Elijah, says, may God do to me if I don't make you as one of those prophets of Baal today. What did this great man of God do? The Bible says that he became afraid. He ran for his life. He got so depressed, he laid down underneath a tree and begged God to die. He dealt with severe depression and discouragement. The Apostle Paul, who was one of the greatest missionaries that the Christian church has ever seen, had moments where he dealt with great emotional turmoil. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, I want you to listen to this. Paul says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. So Paul is saying, I need you to know how bad things were. And he's still saying that to us today through the Scriptures. That we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we even despaired life. People who say that if you follow Jesus, you will never have problems or pain in this life, you cannot square that with Scripture. 
Here's one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever known saying how burdened he was. By the way, there, when he says that we were burdened, that word basically just means depressed. He says that I was excessively depressed, the word beyond our strength. That word beyond in the Greek is hyper. It's the same word we use that if you hyperextend something. If I hurt my joint, if my joints go further than they're supposed to be, then I've hyperextended my joint. What Paul basically says here is I am so burdened I've gone further than I can take. He's basically saying I have met my breaking point. This is a great man of God being very real about his struggles. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great pastor and preacher in England in the 1800s, once dealt with great trauma in his life, and he fell into a deep depression. He would go on later to say this, I doubt anyone had ever passed as close to madness as I and yet escaped with my sanity. Church, we, we've got to get beyond the stigma that if you love Jesus, you're never going to go through hardships and you're never going to deal with struggles in your soul, mentally, emotionally, those things. That's just not true. Church, my wife can tell you today that there was once a time uh, not too many years ago that because of some lasting pains in my mind and soul, because of some trauma that I experienced, and because of an all-out assault of spiritual warfare, that at one point in time I became so low in, in, in depression and discouragement that I questioned if I could ever preach again. Know this today, it is possible to have full faith in Jesus and still have great struggles mentally and emotionally. Now a question that I wrestled with this last week that we've got to be able to answer is, are negative emotions part of God's design for his people? And the reason why I ask that is because the Bible clearly gives us some moments where negative emotions are right for God's people to experience. The Bible says that it is right for us to have a time to weep. When we say goodbye to loved ones and we feel that sadness and brokenness, that's, that's a right thing. The Bible says that it is right for us to be angry at times. We should be angry and sin not. As we see the brokenness in the world around us, we should get angry at times. The Bible makes it clear that it is right for sinners to feel shame and guilt over their sin because often that can move them to seek God in repentance and find salvation. And we all know that some fear is healthy and it is a good thing that often guards our lives from stupid things, okay? And, and that's true for every 16 to 19-year-old young man, okay? We need that. So here's the answer that I arrived at this last week. I believe that negative emotions are not part of God's design. We don't see them before sin entered the world. And the Bible makes it clear that they're not going to be there at the end of all things. Which, by the way, we got to read that. Revelation 21.4 says this, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning. There will no longer be any crying or pain. The first things have passed away. If you're struggling emotionally this morning, and this is where Jesus gives rest to your souls today, for every struggling saint of God this morning, be reminded every one of your struggles has an expiration date, that weeping may endure for the night, but a day of joy is coming in the morning. Can I get an amen to that this morning? But that being the case, so we don't see negative emotions before sin. We don't see them at the end of the world. But we also see moments right now where they seem to be riding good. How do we square that? Let me tell you how. It's just like death. Death was never part of God's design. But God has the ability, and it's not going to be here forever. But God has the ability 
to take in a sinful, broken world and to redeem death for his people. So today, while death is still a struggle, we know for those of us who are believers, it is the gateway into the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God has the ability to redeem it for a time. The same is true with these negative emotions. God never intended anger. God never intended sadness. God never intended weeping. But in this broken world, God has redeemed those emotions to rightly have a place and a time for us to express the proper emotions in a broken world. They're not always going to be there. But right now, there's a right and good time to experience those things. And listen, this is good. At times, in a broken world, we should weep. At times in a broken world, we should be angry. And the good thing is these emotions remind us that this world is not as it should be. And reminds us that this world is not our hope. And so we need to know today that our emotions, our soul, are gifts from God. But they're also broken and tainted by sin. And finally, we need to know that our mind and our bodies are inseparably connected. Now this is important. God created us to be in His image, both soul and body. They are both invaluable parts of the whole you. They differ in characteristics, and the Scriptures identifies them as unique parts of the humanity, but we see over and over again how they are intricately, how they are intricately connected throughout the Bible. Let me give you an example of this. In Psalms 119-120, we see where the fear of God, which is the state of mind, an emotion state of mind, affects the physical body. The psalmist says, my flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. Here's a moment where we see fear in the mind leads to trembling in the body, the connection of the physical body and the soul. It also works in reverse. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 7, we see that because Hannah was barren and unable to have children in her body, that she was depressed and discouraged in her soul, saying that Scripture says that she, would, she wept aloud and would not eat. Here we see a situation where the body affected the mind or the soul. So it's important for us to know these two things are interconnected. I'm going to tell you why here in just a moment. Let me give you a great example of how our physical bodies affect our souls, which is our mind and emotions. There's an extreme rock climber. His name is Alex Hanold. He is the only person to ever climb the Mount El Capitan, part of the Yosemite National Park, to ever climb it without a rope. It's pretty insane to even attempt it, but he did it. He did it in 2017, and it's never been done since, and will likely never be attempted again. After he climbed the mountain, neurologists did a scan of his brain, and this is what they discovered. They discovered that the portion of his brain that registers fear was not functioning properly. (laughs) Alex's physical condition affected his emotional state. He had the ability to do things that everybody else would say that you're crazy to do. Now, in this aspect, I guess it kind of worked out positive for him because he lived through it, you know. But the same can be true in reverse There are some situations where your emotional state can be affected by your physical bodies. And in these situations, church, it is okay to seek medical attention. Christians, we need to remove the stigmatism from people seeking medical attention for mental or emotional disorders. Not every mental or emotional problem is a faith issue, okay? 
We need to say that again. Not every mental or emotional problem is an issue of faith. Sometimes it's just an issue of your broken body and a broken sinful world responding the way broken sick bodies respond. And in those situations, it's good to go to a doctor. And if you need to go to a doctor, if you need to take medication for your your, uh, emotional state, that can be a gift from God. God can use it. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no shifting or shadow. What I would say about uh, medical conditions and those things is that medication should never replace us doing the things that God calls us to to help make us healthy in our souls and our bodies but they are okay to be complements with that does that make sense today And, and let me say this some of you needed to hear that this morning some of you needed to be set free from it it's not it's not because you don't love God Some of you struggle with anxiety or depression not because you don't love Jesus. It's not because you don't have faith. You live in a broken body. And we get sick. And trauma changes us. And things affect us. And that's okay. And you know what? One day, God's going to redeem all of that. He's going to give you a new body and a new mind. And you won't have to struggle with those things anymore. So our first truth today is to understand your soul. Secondly, this morning, God helps us to get healthy in our souls by following his leading. So whether or not you're in an extreme situation where you may, maybe you do need to go to a doctor and some of these things to help. Or maybe you're, saying, you're just daily life. How do you get healthy in your soul? Let me give you a few steps that we see from Scripture. Five steps to help, help us in our health in our souls. And these are all from Scripture. First, this morning. Healthy souls happen when our lives are based on God's word and not emotion. Now again, the Bible makes it really clear that our souls, our mind, and our emotions are gifts from God, but they are never intended to be the things that lead and direct our lives. I heard a wise man once said that feelings are great passengers, but they're terrible drivers, okay? It's okay to feel And it's okay to have emotions, but those things cannot lead your lives. The Bible makes it clear that making decisions should be based on God's Word and not on emotion because our emotions can be flawed. In fact, in 2 Peter 2.2, Peter warns that people who follow their feelings in life will injure themselves in the glory of God. This is what he says. Many will follow their sensuality, which is their senses, their feelings. And because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. You know, following our feelings is actually one of the greatest problems in our society today, leading many people to make decisions that are based on emotions and not on truth. Let me give you an example of that. We all know that children are not wise people. Can, 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 scripture says in Proverbs twenty two fifteen, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Okay, if you've raised kids, you can say amen to that. If you look back to yourself as a kid, you say, "Wow, I was stupid." You know, you see that. Which, by the way, the other part of that verse is that a rod of discipline drives it from them. Can I get an amen to that too? Anyway, we also know that science has made it clear that the human brain is continuing to develop all the way up to the early to mid-20s, especially the part of your brain that deals with reason and risk. 
This is why we have laws in our nation that are good laws. Laws that basically say a, a, a young person, they're, they're not responsible enough to buy alcohol. They're not responsible enough to vote yet. They're not responsible yet uh, to drive a car until a certain age. We all understand these things. But despite all of that, today we have healthcare professionals in our society that say it can be appropriate for teenagers as early as 14 to defy their biological genders, to begin taking hormone therapies just because they feel out of place in their gender. Life-changing decision. At best, this is hypocritical. At worst, it's criminal. Now, I'm not making light. I want you to know this. I'm not making light of people who genuinely struggle with mental mental disorders that that make them feel out of place in their bodies, even though I would never suggest that the answer to that is to attempt to change your biological gender. That would be like breaking your finger to fix a headache, okay? It doesn't fix the problem. However, this example shows us that when our society makes decisions based on feelings and not truth and fact, then it becomes illogical. Friends, our emotions can sometimes be right, but they are more than often flawed and should not be trusted. Psalms 119 verse 105 says this, speaks about how God's word should lead our life. It says, it's your word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. Let me give you another reason why you should not make decisions based on your emotions but only on God's Word, and it's because of the temptation and the deception of the enemy. And we don't like to talk about this a lot, but there is a, a, a real person is, uh, called Satan, and there is a real enemy. And the Bible speaks about real spiritual forces in this world that are seeking to destroy those who are created in the image of God, to steal, kill, and destroy the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that Peter says this, Be sober of spirit, be on alert, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So the Bible makes it clear that the devil is seeking to devour people. And I don't have time to go into it all this morning, but the Bible also shows us that the two main weapons that the enemy uses to seek, to seal, kill, and destroy is temptation and deception. Now think about this. Both of those are geared towards the major portions of your soul. Temptation is geared towards your feelings and deception is geared towards your mind. So where does the, de- the enemy primarily come to attack us, to, to attack people? It's right here. It's in the eight or nine inches or so right here between your temples. It's in your soul and the Bible makes it real clear That if we live by our emotions and our feelings and even our thoughts alone without letting God's Word lead our lives, then we are basically becoming very easy prey for the devil. The Bible talks about how we can't even trust our minds to let our minds run on idle. Can we just let your mind just run free? 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this, that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There are certain meditation practices, Eastern meditation practices that cause you to clear your mind, to think of nothing. I'll say that's the worst thing you could do as a believer. You're opening the door for the enemy. For us as God's people, we're called to focus on God's word, to hide God's word in our hearts, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Proverbs 19, 16 says this, He who keeps the commandment, speaking of God's word, keeps his soul. 
Let me give you a good quote that's worth writing down in the back of your Bible somewhere. A good exercise for daily life is this. Just because I think it or feel it doesn't mean I should believe it or do it until I can find it and prove it in God's Word. Let me say that one more time. Just because I think it or feel it doesn't mean I should believe it or do it until I can find it and prove it in God's Word. So the first step to health in your soul is to let God's Word lead your life. Secondly, healthy souls happen when we have godly relationships. Over and over again in Scripture, we see how godly relationships are key to mental and emotional health. We were created to need others. In Galatians 6.2, Paul speaks to our soul's need for others, saying that we are to bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Here the Holy Spirit inspires God's Word through the Apostle Paul and lets us know there are times in your life where you're going to need somebody else to help you bear your burdens. This is God saying there's going to be times in your life where it's too heavy for you to hold and you need the brothers and sisters in Christ. You need the church. All throughout Scripture, we see godly people are consistently moved to need the help of others. Moses had Joshua and Caleb. David had Jonathan. Paul had Barnabas. And this is why it's so important to be more than just come to worship, but to get involved in a life group, to get connected, to make godly friends. And you know what? Sometimes that may even include Christian counseling. You need people to help you. You need those type of relationships. Let me say this. Before you try to sign up with a Christian counselor, get a Christian buddy. Just get a friend, get in a life group, get around godly people. A great statement that we say a lot around here at Enon is that, I mean, I don't know if it's a great statement, it's my statement, I like it, but it says, inside the church, everybody's not going to know everybody, but everybody needs to know some somebodies, okay? Everybody needs some godly people in your life. Godly friends bring you, they give you support. They help you hold you up in times of troubles. Godly people speak truth in your lives when you need to hear it, when all you're hearing is the deception of the enemy. Sometimes a good friend just needs to whisper in your heart, that's not true. Godly friends bring empathy. Godly friends bring faith and prayer. Sometimes you need people to pray for you and believe for you when you can't even believe for yourself. In some of the darkest moments of my life, I've had trusted friends who would come and pray over me, who would believe with me. I had a wife who would walk with me in my neighborhood. And when I would speak aloud the greatest fears in my soul, she was the one who would say back to me, Babe, God's got you. Sometimes you just need those godly friends. Thirdly, healthy souls happen when we are consistent in prayer. Friends, there's something supernatural that, that God does in the hearts and souls and minds of His children when we bring our worries and fears to Him in prayer. And if we're honest here this morning, we don't pray enough. We're good about taking it on ourselves. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing. You struggle with anxiety. Here's a great verse for you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard, here it is, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's talking to your feelings and to your minds. He's talking about your soul. And church, when God says bring everything to Him in prayer, He means everything. 
Now, I would say to you this morning, if you have something that is taking up room in your mind, then you need to give it to God. You know, praise God for all he's doing here at Eden Baptist Church, all the prayers that he is answering. But that being the case, we've got a lot going on, okay? There's a lot of meetings. We've got staff things. We've got, we've got buildings. We've got finances, all these things. And, 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 and there are times when me, even as your pastor, folks, this, this feels like a weight. Lord, what can I do? Let me tell you, one of the greatest things that I get to do is do it every time during my, one hour a day during my work day, like we do for the rest of our staff, is to come and lay these requests before God. Let me say something to you today. I, every, I have to do almost daily a spiritual data dump, okay? This is where I say, God, we've got this conversation coming up. We've got this meeting coming up. We've got this building plans coming up. We've got these things coming God, I'm going to be preaching at this, and God, we're going to be speaking to this. And, and I just have to unload it all. Let me tell you what's so good. As I'm doing that, I can feel the weight coming off of me. And then I stand up, having given it all to God, then I can rejoice. As the old hymn says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Fourthly, we're almost done. Healthy souls happen when we focus on things that are good for your soul. Church, have you ever heard the statement, garbage in, garbage out? It's absolutely true. The Bible repetitively teaches us that the voices and influences around us, that they absolutely do affect us and they affect the direction of our minds and our emotions, even if we do not realize that we are constantly being influenced, even sometimes by the things that you're hearing in the background of the life around you. My wife loves to laugh at me about this. So if she walks through the house, and if she ever sings a part of any song, or even hums a part of any song, within about three minutes, I am singing that song, and I won't even remember hearing her do it. And she laughs at me. She's like, you can't help it, can you? I said, I don't know. My mind just does that. Just this last week, I was in the shower. She came through the bathroom, and she was humming America the Beautiful. <laughs> she got up patriotic that day, you know? It's just good. The next thing I know, I don't even know what I'm doing. She is cracking up laughing outside the shower. I was like, what are you laughing at? She said, do you hear yourself? I had gone not just to singing America the Beautiful, but I had gone to the Ray Charles Sandlot version. And I am, I mean, I'm like, God don't shed his grace on me. I mean, like, I'm there. Listen, here's, here's the deal. She had influenced me. I didn't even know it. Now, that's funny. Because it's America the Beautiful. It's pretty harmless. But what if it had been something else? Church, our minds and our souls are affected by the news we read. It's affected by the movies we watch. It is affected by the games we play. It's affected by the social media with which we engage. It all affects us, and we don't realize it. We wonder what's broken in our society. And things that we watch for entertainment today... We would have wept over 50 years ago. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Church, We've got to stop filling our souls with garbage. Parents, 
We've got to guard our children. You say, well, it's almost impossible to do that in the day and age in which we live. It is. If you plan on being a parent and your children look like everybody else they go to school with. But if you make a decision to say, we're going to do it different, then you can fight those battles, and they're battles worth fighting. And then finally this morning, Master Instrumentalist to come. I believe that healthy souls come from those who know that God is leading their lives. I heard a story once about a school system, an inner city school system, that they were dealing with so much violence in the school, so much terrible things going on in the school, and they couldn't fix it. They didn't know what was going on. And so they hired this uh, psychologist this, this, that, that specialized with children and trauma and violent situations. And he came in and he met with students for over a week just having individual conversations and was evaluating things. And finally, they got all of the faculty, staff and faculty, back together in the room. And he was going to make his recommendation for what the greatest problem is. What was the thing that they needed to fix? And he walked up to the blackboard in the room and he wrote one word on the board he wrote the word alone he wrote the word alone he said this is the greatest problem with the students in this school this is why they're lashing out this is why they're burdened he talked about their home situations and all these things these children are constantly afraid because they're alone And church, I don't care what all else is going on in your life. If you feel like you're alone in the middle of it, you will have a troubled soul. But for those who are followers of Jesus, this is where God can give you rest for your soul. Is that yes, you may go through hardship and trouble, but I am with you. I did a funeral of a sweet saint of God just this last week. And he asked for a few passages to be read at his funeral. And one of them was Psalms 23. Because this man knew what it was like to have a shepherd walk with him in life. The first few verses of Psalms 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. This morning, I want to conclude with two invitations. The first invitation is for all you believers here today who you're struggling in your soul. Can I say something to you? Can we please lay down the pride of saying, I've got it all together? Can we just sometimes come and let a brother or sister in Christ pray with you, pray over you? Our pastors are going to be up front this morning. I'm going to invite some of our wives if they'd like to or some of our counselors to come up front. Brother John, I'd love for you to be available. Anybody, anybody, if you would be willing to come and pray for people, just stand here. And if you're in here this morning, you say, Pastor Zach, I am struggling in my soul. I'm struggling with grief. I'm struggling with depression, anxiety. Then come and just let us believe with you. Let us pray with you. That God would intervene. That God would speak. Even, even if he didn't take it away, that God would speak to you in the middle of it. Come, let us bear your burden with you. And I'd say to this here this morning, if you don't know Jesus today, then you're alone. And that's why you're afraid. And that's the core reason why you're worried. 
And that's why you feel so lost in life. But know this today, is that God loves you. And He doesn't want you to live that way. In fact, He loved you so much, He came and sent His Son, Jesus, to down a cross for you. To take your sin that keeps you separated from God. And today, if you just say, Jesus, save me. I give my life to you. He can save you today. And you can leave here today no longer alone. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask these who would be willing to pray with people. Would you come and let's just line this altar up here. And I'm going to ask you to be bold enough today. If you need somebody to pray with you for your soul. Or if you would want to stand in for somebody to pray with you. And as Brother Ken leads us, would you come? Father, I ask in Jesus' name. God, give us the courage to step out and be ministered to today. God, for those who don't know you, may they call out to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come now if you need to come.